Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And like I say on every episode, we've got a great one for you today. We've got Bree Bagwell coming on. She's done some great things. She's doing some great things. We're definitely excited to hear parts of her story and definitely part and talk about music and just see where this goes. So, Bree, are you here? I am. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. How are you guys today? <clears throat> doing good. Yes, I'm not sure. Good. Okay, there's Sandy. <laughs> yes, I'm here. <laughs> so, um, one and and we you know we definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. So we're looking forward to seeing where all yes. this goes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm down here in Texas. We have uh, the first, you know, whatever feels like fall to us. <laughs> 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 so we have that today. I have on like pants and a long sleeve shirt, and uh, it's a little overkill. It's probably still like 80 degrees, but um, I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, today was the first day I had to wear. I mean, I think last time I wore pants was um, in March or April because we're in Savannah, Georgia. And yes, today was the first day with, because we had to get out there and I had mm-hmm. to wear pants. I was like, oh, God, I don't want to put pants on. I've been in shorts all this time. <laughs> right, or I've been in sweatpants. so as i like to start the same way as we always start you know we're in a crazy year 2020 is definitely a year to remember so how has COVID affected you and what are you doing to maneuver through that oh my gosh well i think i finally sat down and added up everything i just canceled my 50th show so um which is absolutely crazy you know down here i live we live our lives on the road and and that's how we make our money and and i've been doing over 150 shows a year for 10 years and so canceling live shows is 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 just everything to us and my band my band is all full-time uh i have five five people that in my band and crew so it's been pretty devastating but i've been trying i'm I'm a real you know silver lining optimist, <laughs> positive <laughs> person. So I've been trying to take this time to, to do a bunch of things. I've, ta- I've taken a bunch of hiking trips. I've oh, been wow. to Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, um, all over Texas, and also been writing songs and recording and treating this time more like an opportunity. We were just talking about that before the show started. Yeah, like you said, opportunity. You know, like with yeah. us, like we said, um, you know, when we first started this show back in January, the the, the original plan, I guess the OP, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, was was 80 to 100 interviews first year. And we, we thought, you know what, if we pulled that off, we would probably do more. That would probably be more than 95% of the hosts out there in their first year. And when COVID happened, I was looking at everything and I was like, oh, wow, all these artists are now have all this time on their hands. This mm-hmm. may be our time to shine because, you know what, they're going to need a place to talk. They're going to need a place to rant or whatever it is that they need. And we're going to give them that platform. And because of that, we've done over 220 shows on our way to 300 now instead of 100. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is so impressive. I mean, good for you guys. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, I'm getting to do all these things that, you know, I may not have have time for including like write more songs like on zoom do online conference you know by the time i'd get off the road i was so tired i was like i'd only have a couple days to unpack repack and leave so i'm getting Uh to do a whole bunch of things that i would not normally get to do either (laughs) 
So speaking of that doing stuff that you normally don't get to do, what are some hobbies you'd like to do outside of music? Because I'm sure you've got more now than you probably ever have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like, it's so funny. My biggest, hob- my biggest hobby is my 10-pound uh, chihuahua that I rescue. <laughs> I love to just have oh, well. a um, But I also I love to hike. We've been on a lot of hiking trips. And um, we went to Santa Fe and actually hiked up to 12,000 feet for the first time, um, which was really exciting wow. and incredibly hard. Um, and then I love to read. I love all things outdoor. Strange, like once it's all taken away, it's like, okay, I love to write songs, but that's still involved with music, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, music is pretty much my whole life. So trying to find other things. Wow. But I guess I would just say I mostly love to be outside. <laughs> that's awesome. So what would you say is something quirky about you? Oh, besides everything? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I grew up in New Mexico, actually, and so I love to to speak in Spanish, and I think a lot of people don't know that and sing in Spanish. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and so I think people look at me and maybe don't don't think that, but, man, I, I enjoy... Everything about the Hispanic culture, the food, uh, and and of course the language. So I'm real I'm real kind of nerdy when it comes when it comes to language. So do you ever eavesdrop on people speaking in Spanish? Because of course they wouldn't know. Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should add that to my hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, you know, a lot of people would ask, you know, when did you know you wanted to do music? I like to go a little deeper than that. What was that moment where you kind of looked in the mirror and thought, this could be a career for me? When was that moment? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's an important question because I've been on stage since I was three years old. And then, you know, I played in the band when I was 14 with my brothers. But, you know, I was still in high school. And then even in college, I was um, majoring in, in marketing, but also playing, you know, little gigs, side gigs. And so that, it never really occurred to me that I could do it full time until uh, after I graduated college, I had a day job for two months and I was playing gigs on weeknights, you know, any gig that I could play. And then I'd have to be in like the boardroom meeting at 9am. And so I think there was one time, there was one point where this man came up to me and he had a small booking agency and, um, I mean, looking back now, he had some amazing artists on that lineup. Um, but we didn't know it at the time that everyone was going to, you know, go on to be these big stars in Texas, people like Cody Johnson and Josh Wood. And, and he wow. said, um, quit your day job and, you know, I can get you gigs. And I was like, okay. Mm. And it was that, it oh, really wow. was that moment where I was like, if I don't do this right now, um, mm-hmm. you know, when else in my life can I do it? So mm-hmm. I was 21. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of expenses, had, didn't have a family or anything, so I quit my day job and dove in head first, which I think is important to do in this well, industry. And that's important yeah. what you just said because um, where we're about to go now, and I think you'll love what we're about to go. Um, as you know, a lot of people, they see the um, glory of a Blake Shelton, Miranda, Carey, and all them, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles. That not just to get to that level, but even a career level, and I think it's not talked about enough out there, and I've always said on our show, we're going to talk about it in every episode if we can, because I think that this is the most important subject 
within music is what it really takes. And I'm going to tell a quick story, help guide us there <clears throat> of where I want this to go. But back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls. And at that time, they were full-time with music. And I asked Allison what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist. I'll never forget her answer. She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, if you can see yourself doing something else, go do that and just keep music as a hobby. Because the moment you want it to be a career, you no longer own your life. Everybody, everybody owns a piece of it. Um, <laughs> from that, your friends and relatives, they never understand. They invite you to weddings, to weekends, to holidays, <clears throat> um, to birthdays, all that. But you've got to say no, because, especially at the beginning, because you're grinding and grinding and grinding, and you can't say no to gigs, and you definitely don't want to be the artist that, that cancels gigs. Um, so you can't say no, and they don't understand that. Then your family around you has to sacrifice, not just you, the artist. And then if that's not enough, then there are days where you just feel miserable. You don't feel good. You you may be depressed or whatever. You know whatever's going on in your life that really doesn't matter. You got a gig that night. You got to get up there and smile like there's no tomorrow. But then she added, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, if that's all you can see yourself doing, then go all in because the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's talk about that side of it. Oh yeah, I mean that's spot on and um what you said about crying i've already cried once today so that's true um <laughs> you know, i think i i love what she said and i feel that um on such a personal level i mean it's been over 10 years full time for me and i've had every kind of struggle i feel like you can imagine and mm-hmm. i've seen you know crew members come and go and i am and band members come and go and, and i get it because it's not their dream you know like you only yeah. understand it when it's your dream, you're willing to, like, you know, one summer I had a, a part-time job, at, and I would go work the part-time job nine to five, and then I would go pick up my speakers and play happy hour from six to eight, mm-hmm. and then I'd put on my tennis shoes and I'd bartend until 2 a.m., and I did that for three days in a row on every weekend just to make ends meet, and it's like, looking yeah. back, I'm like, that only takes, like, an absolutely crazy person to put themselves <laughs> through that, and I also think that um, there's not been one time in thousands of shows where I didn't want to go on stage. And I think that's really important because mm-hmm. I know that if there ever comes a time where I'm like, I don't want to get on stage and that's the time that I need to like reevaluate what I'm doing. But for now, I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. Cause usually, cause I know when you, when we've talked with enough artists, usually that when, you're down, depressed, or whatever, the stage is what lights you back up. A hundred percent, yes. And my mom my mom calls it the light switch because sometimes, I'll, you know, I can be <laughs> really upset or, like, even crying mm-hmm. before a show or, like you said, just having a bad day or whatever. And then I can, I'm able to flip that switch or maybe the stage flips that switch for me. I'm not really sure. But um, either, either way, <laughs> it, it, you're right about that. And, you know, that brought me, made me think about this. Um, but a couple years before Zig Ziglar passed away, he came to Savannah. And I'm a big motivational person too. But he came to Savannah, and I wanted to go see him because he's always been like my, my favorite motivational speaker. And I remember we getting up there. We, we, we get in there. We're sitting in the front, close to the front. And I see, the, I see him walking up on that stage with a cane, and I'm sitting there like, 
I guess I'm not going to – my first thought was I'm not going to get the zig that I hear on these tapes. There's no way because okay. he could barely walk. He's getting he's, – you know, they had, they're even having to help him up there, <clears throat> and I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, we, we waited too long to come see him, you know, and okay. then he gets the mic, drops the cane. And, oh, my God, he was up and down that stage like I imagined. And it was one of the moments where you realize that no matter how hard it is, that when it's your passion, purpose, calling that God called, you get up there, it's your time, and he shined. I love that. I had kind of a similar experience with Charlie Daniels um, and Willie Nelson as well. I mean, he didn't have a cane or anything, but – you just think, oh, my gosh, he's in his 80s. You know, this is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And just went up there and just played guitar, like, unbelievable. You know, it was just it's, mm. it's so magical to watch. <clears throat> I love that. You know, now that we talked a little bit about the sacrifice side, let's go the other way that everybody talks about, the glory side. So when you look back on your career so far, what are a couple moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's always tough because – I think people would assume that it's like the awards or the, you know, and it's, uh, it, I think it rarely is for the artists. Um, yeah. I know for me, I was uh, talking about this the other day. I almost forgot about it. That one day my phone kind of started going crazy and it was because Dean Dillon was on stage at the Redneck Country Club. And he said, you know, he was asked about his favorite up and coming songwriters and he listed me <laughs> as one of those oh, wow. three. Yeah. Which was like, you know, for me, one of the proudest moments <laughs> of my life. So um, I think that, would, that is one. Um, another one is team got to pick a bunch of Texas artists to cover George mm-hmm. Strait songs, and I, I was chosen for that. And then they let us go watch George Strait at Green oh, wow. Hall in concert, which was, like, one of the best moments in my life. So maybe for me, it's it's those types of things instead of, you know, awards on the shelf or whatever. Now, every artist goes through the moments where you, you know, I think everybody goes through self-doubt. Am I good enough? Is this worth it? When you get to those moments where there's like a fork in the road with your music and you could quit, you could, you know, everybody has those moments where they're, that they could cross that line at, at any given moment. What drives you, what's that drive inside of you to help you not cross that line and go back towards music? Oh, wow. Yeah, I always make the joke. I'm like, I'm going to go be a yoga teacher in Thailand. Like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm out. Um, and, and or sometimes it's even it, when you go watch, like, a really great show, it should be mm-hmm. super motivating to watch, like, a really good songwriter. But sometimes for me it's like, what am I even doing here? Like, this that person is so much – Oh, wow. <laughs> than me and, and like what am I doing with my life um but I don't know I just I always tell the audience like I don't know how to do anything else and especially after quarantine and and being just in my house all day it's like I I, I love to be on stage I, I love um, to connect with an audience and it is all I know and it is all I have known for the past 10 years of that so much so that like it's just who I am and so I know that there's no other option for me truly and, and my family knows that too and so I, I, I don't know I think I'm, I'm just all in and I, I really believe that like God in the universe like put put these magical moments in my life and, they, and he, he has for 10 years where 
anytime I was having just a really tough time, then I would get that one magical show, like that one listening room where everyone's wow. laughing and, or, you know, that one person that comes up and puts a hundred dollars, you know, in, in your merch guy's hands or it, it's like, there's always like this magical pivot point that I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm okay. So I think it's a higher power maybe for me. <laughs> yep. And you know what's funny, you know, that this actually just recently happened because, you know, again, you know, I feel that way about, yeah, you know, I listen to Bobby Bones and Ty Bentley and I'm like, I'll never be that, you know? And so, and it's like, you know, you want to be up there like they are, you know, cause we're kind of chasing the same dream y'all are, but on a different platform. And, and then right. you get a comment like yesterday, one of my friends says another great interview. Honestly, your interviews are really amazing. So different from all the other ones that you hear all the time. And I needed that at that when she said that I needed that at that time. And then even Love two it. months in, you know, when we were two months in to the show, because, you know, we want to interview bigger people. We want to do both mixture of rising artists and big artists. And, you know, sometimes you you feel like you're in rut, like, are we ever going to have a breakthrough artist and all that? And I remember <clears throat> that I thought I was going to get be able to get this one artist because I knew her family. And I learned real quick that once they're signed with a label, knowing their family does not matter. <laughs> I learned really quick. And um, so I got turned down. I was a little depressed. And, and again, I think it was God. All of a sudden, about, about an hour later, because I was like, okay, what are we doing here? I mean, is this even worth it? And then about an hour later, a PR company sends me an email that said, we'd like to get six art- of our artists on your show. And I'm scrolling through the artists, and one of them was Anna Christina Cash. I didn't know who she was at that time. Looked her up, I thought, well, I wonder if she's part of Cash. Come to find out, she's married to John Carter Cash, Johnny and June Carter Cash's son, so she's married to him. Like, oh, cool, yes, we want all six. And that was kind wow. of the game changer for the show. Um, when she came on, then Carlene Carter came on, which then brought Jenny Gill on, which then brought Taylor Lynn and also Georgette Jones. That whole crew right there all came on. Because of that one moment, and I really believe that was God sending that my way because I needed it at that time. Oh, 100%. I love that. That's very cool. Very cool. So you never know, you know, and sometimes you need some little stuff like that to say, okay, um, keep going. Because, you know, I don't care which part of music, whether you're a host, whether you're an artist, whether you're a producer, whether you're a PR company, it really doesn't matter what what you do in music – I truly believe that the music industry is the hardest industry to make it in, and and I've been part of many industries. This is by far the hardest industry I've ever seen to make it with any level. Yeah, I agree, and I think a lot of that is because, you know, I have countless talented friends, um, male and female, that have what I think is the whole package, and they're amazing, Mm -hmm. and they work hard, and that's that's like, it's the only industry where that's not like a guarantee of success. So yeah. it's kind of like, if you're the best football player out there, like you're probably going to get a pro career as long as you don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. there's just no guarantees and there's no formula and there's no path and the path is always changing. And so, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is, the, it's the toughest one. And it's also now I think it's tougher than it was because you can put something out there and unlimited strangers, can comment and tell you, I hate this. You're terrible. Uh-huh. You know, mm. jump off a cliff or these horrible <laughs> things that social media has like created. I think you know. So 
it, it's just you don't you don't really go into a dentist's office and yeah. be like, I don't like your art decor, you know. But then people feel like they can come to a Brie Bagel show and say, you know, you look tired or your outfit. I don't like your outfit. Just strange things that I think are different than any other industry. But I yeah, want I, to yeah. also say that like people are also very very nice for the most part. Oh, I yeah, mean, the people definitely. that are are not nice is a very small percentage. Yeah, but the but as human nature. We could hear ten awesome things about us, but we focus on that one negative, knowing they're probably a troll, <laughs> that they have no life, and they're just right. out to try to pull someone to their level. But yet, that's the one. Us. <laughs> oh, completely! I can probably tell you every one that's ever been written, and and the, uh, out of the hundreds and hundreds of great ones, um, yeah. And I try not to even. Look now that I have a team, mm. I'm just like, if there's anything bad, like, just delete it before I see it. Because, you know, people <laughs> yeah. are like, you have to have right. thick yeah. skin to be in this business, and you have to have tough skin. I wish I could, but I'm also an artist, and I write songs because I'm sensitive, and I can relate exactly. to other people, and I have mm-hmm. empathy and sympathy and emotion, you know. So for me, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, I do take that pretty hard, and I just would rather not see it. I love that. And we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and play your song as soon as you, and then talk about that. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds great. All right, hang on the line. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out.
Yes, great song. Thank love you. It. And really Thank love you. the video. The video really oh, is magical for the song. Oh, we watched the video earlier. We love oh, it. Oh, my so gosh. Fun. Thank you. I mean, uh, well, this is actually the fourth single off of my album. Um, mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. is kind of crazy how things happen that this was is my first national single. So um, we decided to do a music video for it, and we did the video during quarantine. So there's only one cameraman. And I ordered everything off of Amazon, including that $99 wedding dress, which my dad was like, that's the kind of wedding I can get behind right there. And um, and then I filmed it just in a friend's backyard. And, you know, we did it on a really tight budget and in one day in quarantine. Oh, wow. Came out really good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, don't don't tell CMT how much we spent on that video because they've been playing it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so one thing I like to do on the show is, as you know, you know, people see the artists, they don't, they don't see the PR people, they don't see the managers, producers, or any of that. And I think the teams don't get enough love. So I was like, I'll change it at least for my show and give them the love they deserve. So if you want to tell us a little bit about the team that helps you be who you are. Yeah, well, I would love to because I have not ever really had a team for 10 years. Mm. So now that I have a team, it is <laughs> insane, and I just want to hug them and kiss them every day. And um, they're real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my manager's name is Mark Prox, um, and if anyone wants to give him a Google, he has an amazing history. He um, managed Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, and a, a great other bands too. Not enough time to talk about everything he's done. Um, my PR team is the Richland Group out of Nashville, and it's just a handful of these awesome, you know, kick booty women, and they are amazing. They've been they've been killing it. Yeah, and then um, I'm working with Lisa Smoot as my radio promoter right now um, nationally, and of course I have. Dave Smith promoting my music in Texas as well. Um, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much uh, pretty much covered it all. The music group is called 10X Music Group. And, um, of course, can I name my mom? She's my biggest teammate. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they're my counseling <laughs> specialist. <laughs> so since you said that, Tell us a you know a mom story. Now you probably got a thousand of them. I get that, but something that stands out where your mom went above and beyond on something that had to do with your music career, and you're like, wow, she definitely gets this is my passion. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's so hard because she's done that my whole <laughs> over and life, over. and I mean over and over. But I was just um, reminded on a Facebook memory, September last year. I think I had 20 shows um, 
her, my mom's father passed away. Um, my, one of my good, good friends passed away and I was moving and I was oh, just, wow. you know, I, on the verge of a total breakdown. I mean, that's just a lot for one person. And, you know, it despite is. everything mm-hmm. she had going on in her life, she came and spent on her birthday. She came and helped me move. Oh, well. And so she's helped me move every year. Um, I've moved, I think, 14 times in 14 years. And my mom has, you know, moving oh, wow. the worst. And my poor mother has done it more than anybody on this planet for me. And I just, I can't thank her enough for that. Because I, I wouldn't have made it through those times. You know, being on the road and moving, it, it's just so hard. So, so, yeah. so you probably All got it down packed on how to move. Well, you would think, but no, I'm so bad at that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? That made me think of something. Back in um, back when I was like 17 years old, I guess. Um, I remember we had a little Mustang car that we me and, that I would fix up and all that, and and I messed up engines several times in it. And me and my dad replaced the engine in and out. We we take the engine out, put another one in, engine out, and we did it so mm-hmm. much that we had it down to where we could do it in 30 minutes. Oh wow, that's not far as time. <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> I guess when you now now the last time we done that, I, I think it took about an hour because we were at we went from a four four cylinder to a six, so it was a little different there. But for the most part, we we figured out how to do it fast because we done it so much. Oh, that is great. Yes, that's that's <clears> like <throat> us on the road changing a trailer tire. We can we can do it. We've done it so much. We're like a little little <laughs> race car team down there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, um, yes. And, you know, as you're, as you're like a family affair thing, our show is a family affair. And we always like to bring our eight-year-old on to ask one question. He's like our co- a third co-host, you could say. He We're really is. the, the Chris yes. and Chris and Sandy show. <laughs> um, at this I point. love it. <laughs> yeah. So Sandy's I'll gonna, go get him. Sandy's going to go outside oh, and get him. <clears throat> and we've got an 18-month-old daughter that when she gets older, we'll be plugging her in, too. Oh, of course. I love that. Yes, my whole family kind of plays and sings, and um, it's a really special thing. Oh, well. Yeah, we're trying to make it, you know, special so that he don't ever resent any of this that we're doing. You know, you know, I think a lot of times parents, they work so hard, and they don't include their kids, and then their kids eventually resent that. Well, if you include them, if you find a way to include them in, not only will they not resent it, but they will love you for that. Oh, definitely. My mom says I've been stapling and hole punching since I was two years old. I love to be in the <laughs> office with her, <laughs> and I still love to be in the office typing away. It reminds me of my mama. <laughs> I think oh, she's I getting got, mad. I've got Christopher here. He is ready with his question. All right, here it. you go, buddy. Hi, Bree. What's your favorite food? Oh, my goodness, you're going to ask me that one? That might be the toughest question of the day. Oh, I have to say, we're talking about family. My mom's tacos are the best. I can eat, I think, like 18 of them and just keep going until I feel like I'm going to explode. So my, if anyone's ever going through Las Cruces, mom can make the best tacos. Just stop in. Oh, wow. And what's yours, Lucas? Yeah. I mean, mom is pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love he could it. definitely eat. Good thing. Bye. <laughs> you know, he could eat. Oh. If, if we fed it to him the whole time, he'd eat it the whole time. Uh-oh. Oh, definitely. Wow. He would. 
So if you if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would you want to write about? Oh my gosh! Well, we were talking about Johnny Cash earlier. Johnny Cash and my grandmother were second cousins. Oh wow! And yeah, oh, wow. and so I was. I've been just a huge Johnny Cash fan my whole life. Um, so I would have to choose him. And um, I just wrote a song called. I love Jesus, but I drink a little because it's kind of. <laughs> I think I would want to write a song with Johnny Cash about you know just so, uh, the the music, but also like being a religious person and you know walking. I was going to say walking that line, but you know, yeah, he already had uh, that yeah. song. <laughs> and you know that, that's what intrigues me about Johnny and June Carter Cash is I relate to them, or we relate to them because I went through 19 we years did. of addictions. Until I feel mm-hmm. like God healed me almost 13 years ago. And um, and knowing their story a little bit, it really intrigues me because we, we kind of went through the same stuff where, I mean, Sandy, she loved me in spite of the dick. You know, you know, she never put me down. She never nagged me. She never done that. She loved me through them. And I remember so many times we tell our story, and sometimes people will say, well, she allowed you walk over her. And that's really not true. She allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. And I believe that when you look at the story between um, Johnny and June Carter Cash, I think that that was what they let. She showed him so much love and unconditional love that he had no choice to change. Oh, that's so great. Yes, I agree. I mean, we're all flawed as humans in some way. And um, having the right relationship is, I mean, today I, I have had a, a couple of, really bad ones and now I'm in the greatest mm-hmm. one ever and even oh, wow. still you know things happen like he, he brought home roses today and I'm like what did you do wrong why are you bringing me roses he's like they're just because oh. it's like oh. You, know, oh you have to like retrain your brain <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right for yeah. that kind of love like that kind of like this pure um forgiving love so good for you Sandy I love it oh thank, oh, thank you, you. <clears throat> so um there's probably going to be a thousand answers to this, but just think of something mm-hmm. that pops in your head. Um, but what is a song that you've heard that you wish you wrote? Oh, yeah. There are so many. Um, <laughs> the first one that pops in my head is The House That Built Me by Miranda. That oh, wow. was written by Alan Shamblin. Um, and there's, I love the story behind that song. I think it was originally pitched to Blake, and then Miranda was so emotional <laughs> over it. Um, I think she... <laughs> She got to cut it. I think that's how that story goes, but um, I, I remember the first time I heard that song, and I still think about it and want to cry. It's a, it's a perfectly written song. And, you know, oh, I is. think that that's one of them yeah. songs that would have been better in a woman's voice anyway. I agree. Yeah, nobody so. better than her. <laughs> that's right. It fit her perfectly. So what is a song of yours that you've done through the years that means them? And I know they're all your babies. I get that. But what means the most? What means the most and why? Oh, wow. There, um, there's a song called Dear John Dear on my When a Heartbreaks record that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Both of my grandparents on both sides um, were farmers. And so my parents oh, wow. were both raised on farms. And my dad helped me write a couple of lines in it, which is very special. But the hook is, uh, Dear John Deere, can you give us one more year? And it's about 
you know, oh, pharmacy oh, well. praying, praying for the tractor. <laughs> and it's, one way there. And, um, it's very special because I wrote it so quickly and mm-hmm. it's about both of both sides of my family. And then my dad helped me write it too. So, um, yeah, that's probably my favorite one or the most meaningful one, I guess. Yeah. I love that. So, um, this past February made the five year anniversary that we asked Kelsey Ballerini where she wanted to be in five years. And I always like to tell this story um, to the artists before, so they can kind of think about this question before I ask them that exact same question. Um, but the answer she gave us, I'll never forget, because she's lived, she's almost to the T living it five years later. So she knew exactly where she was going. So knowing that, where do you want to be in five years? Wow. I mean, I know that's, that's so crazy because, you know, it changes – Every, like, I thought maybe <laughs> at 33 I'd be probably farther along than I am uh-huh. now. Mm-hmm. And I would probably talk about maybe something with a family. But now that I'm here, you know, mm-hmm. in five years I still see myself full-time on the road um, around yeah. the world on a big tour. That's what I want. And that's, Lo- um, you know, a constant thought in the back of my head is what am I sacrificing for this or is it a sacrifice or you know it's just it's a constant Mm -hmm. conflict that I have with myself but it will be when when you just asked it like the first thing is like I want to be on tour all over the world and that's that's what I want that's what's most important to me playing live music yeah I love that um now let's say that you look five years, ten years, fifteen years down the road, and you're you're a success at whatever realm that is. And let's say that your 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 current self could meet your successful self. What would you tell her? Oh, you're like uh, a little less whiskey, honey. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I I think like right now there are so many things that seem like a huge deal that aren't Uh a big deal. It would probably be like, Hey, remember when you got really, really upset about, (laughs) you know, our, we went back out on the road and our trailer wheel fell off and it was seven hours away and it was just a big pain. And it was like so upsetting and it was a lot of money to fix it. And it was like, I could probably be like, Hey, this is a small, (laughs) tiny speed bump. Like don't overthink it and Mm. don't worry about it too much in the grand scheme of things. Like those kind of things, they don't matter. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so let's say you had a friend of yours, and you heard him or her sing, and they have—they definitely have something special there. Um, <clears throat> and let's say they've played maybe 40 or 50 shows. So this be pre-COVID advice. So they played mm-hmm. maybe 40, 50 shows. Um, so they're still getting their feet wet when it comes to the performance. Um, but they got on stage. They got what every artist says, that stage bug. And they look over the crowd, and the crowd's roaring for them. And they just know they're in the right place. And they come to you and they say, Bree, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them the next two, three, four years? Right. Well, I don't, I don't know how it is, you know, everywhere else, but my expertise is obviously in the Texas music scene. And when I started, uh, Mike Eli from the Eli Young Band told me it's seven years before like you will see some like it's a very rare case when it happens really quickly and it's like he's like for Mm -hmm. everyone I know he's like it's been seven years so with that in mind 
man, year three or four, I was still like really excited and like I got more years of work. And kind of when you put it in perspective like that, like that it's a marathon and not a sprint, um, mm-hmm. then it then you have that like long term vision and it's like it's okay. I still I still have time. I still have time. I, just because you don't get overnight famous, like like the people that you see on American Idol or whatever, that's that's a very very small percentage of the success rate in the industry. I think there's yeah. a lot of times that hard work, um, you know, outweighs talent and so and perseverance, really just sticking it out. I love that. So as a rising artist like yourself, um, I'm sure you've got friends of yours that. Um, are chasing the same crazy dream right along with you because you got that same vision. You're going the same direction. So, who are one or two artists that people should know? Um, I think uh, Scooter Brown Band. If you haven't talked to him yet, him and I started playing together uh, on that same small booking agency I was telling you about ten years ago. He um, has moved up to Nashville. He's doing some incredible things. He's a veteran. Uh, absolutely. Love oh, wow. And then um, my friend, Caitlin Butt, uh, who's down here in Texas, but she's one of the best songwriters I've ever heard. And she does play live a lot, but I think, I think we're going to see her emerge as, like, an, a huge songwriter as well. Oh, so wow. those are probably my, my two recommendations. <laughs> I love that. So as we come to a close here, what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Oh, that's a tough one. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think a lot of times people are like, it's so much harder for females. And tell me why it's harder for females. And, you know, I think maybe the the better question is, like, how has it changed for females and what is improving? And, like, maybe to spin the conversation into, like, a positive light because it really is changing, and I think it's getting so much better. And it's maybe more fun mm-hmm. to talk about the improvements that um, are happening in the world. Definitely. Cause I used to talk about that side of it a little bit, but it's one thing I've started learning with some of the female artists is they want to be put in the same position that I'm an artist, not a female, even though they're female. Right. And, and when you focus right. on that mm-hmm. side of it, they sometimes felt like, you know, you're putting too much attention there. So that, you know, so I've, you know, so I get where you're coming from and I get where they're coming from too. Cause I think Hannah Bethel, made that was talking about that not long ago that mm-hmm. that when she stopped focusing on whether females are making it nobody nobody started asking her nobody um, was asking her questions about being a female artist anymore right and I commend you for not doing that I mean I was surprised I mean I'm so surprised because um, I've always had that philosophy like what what we should do is go out and put the best show on possible at the festival if I'm the only female if I'm first if I have a bad lineup position whatever. Like my job is as an artist to go out there and put on the best show possible. And I let, I try to let that stand by yep. itself, right? Great music, put on a great show, yep. be a kind person. And then gender, hopefully <laughs> it should start changing to where it doesn't matter. I love that. And Absolutely. It's definitely changing. Yeah. Yeah. And we love that. And we really enjoyed having you on the show today. We look forward we to having did. you back down the road. So if you want to tell everybody how they can reach out to you, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, I would appreciate, um, I'm on all the streaming sites, Spotify, you know, uh, Apple Music, but I do Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. My manager, uh, I went kicking and screaming, but I signed up for TikTok. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm pretty much on every social media platform, but um, BRI, BrieBagwell.com has 
all my tour dates and uh, there's starting to be some back up there now, which is exciting. And my merchandise and stuff like that is there as well. You know, we got a TikTok too, but we've never used it. I've got, we've got Chris Sandy show in there, but I have a. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do Maybe it really cool, something really cool or something. <laughs> so, you know, Bree, we really enjoyed having you on today, and we definitely look forward yeah. to having you back down the road. Oh, well, thank you guys so, so much, and um, congratulations on all your show success. Well, thank oh, you. We, we appreciate, appreciate it. That. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, great. Thanks. Goodbye. Thanks. Thanks. Thank Bye. you.